My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Yes, and that you're always welcome to this church building whenever the doors are open. And I say this every Sunday. We believe you come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a fine church in all of Mission Viejo. Oh, you guys got it down by now. That's good. That's very good. Very good. So welcome to our visitors. We're excited and thankful that you are here with us today. We also have a, a very favorite family of mine here with us as well. It's Aaron and Lizzie. They're here visiting from And, uh, visiting their, their little ones. So uh, we're excited to see them and we're going to enjoy the lunch afterwards today. Uh, so today I wanted to spend some time talking about evangelism. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go again. Yes, yes. We're going to be talking about evangelism today. And a working definition for the word evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public speaking or personal witness. Think about it. The spreading of the Christian gospel by publicly speaking or personally witnessing. And for introverts, we know that this can be a very scary, scary task. But others get fired up when they think about doing evangelism. Others would have rather have their teeth pulled than to go, you know, knock on a door or something like that. So this is this is a tough subject. How do we share our faith in this postmodern culture where people are so quick to close their garage doors and go inside of their house and, and walk right by you, right? So what do we do? Here's what I want you to know today. Evangelism does not have to be this scary, taboo subject. In fact, there's only one thing that you need to know about evangelism, okay? And this is the sermon. I can say this is sit down and be done. I'm not going to do anything. Okay. There's one thing that you need to know about evangelism in order to be effective. Here's your statement. You ready? Be real. That's it. That's the sermon this morning. Be real. And that's the title for today's message. So I got a question for you. What does it mean to be real? What does that mean anyway? Right? When we when we say that statement, what does it mean to be real? Uh, young people say, keep it real, right? Or keep it 100. That's the way I used to grow up talking, right? 100, okay? What, is, what does that mean to keep it real or to keep it 100? It can mean a whole lot of things, okay? So maybe keep it real means tell the truth, right? That, that could be the meaning of be real or keep it real. Here's another one. Don't hide who you truly are. Have you heard that before? That's what it means to be real. What about this one? Be yourself. Right? That's what it means to be real, to keep it real. Or lastly, here's one. What about confession? Keep it real. Just confess, right? Let it out. Let us know. Um, so we all know that we're called to be in this, this very important business of changing people's lives, helping people's lives change through, through sharing, sharing the gospel. In order to do that, we have to be real. Story for you. So I was in seminary at Fuller Theological uh, 
seminary, okay? And I had a professor there that uh, had about three PhDs. And this was our first day of class. So we have students, there's maybe 25 of us in a class, and the teacher, you know, usually when you have your first day of class orientation, the teacher comes out, brings out the syllabus, and talks through all the stuff, and you know you don't have to prepare anything, so your first day of class is cool, you don't have homework, you don't have to worry about anything, you can just sit there. Not this teacher. We walk into class, we sit down, and he says, open up your Bibles. Today we are going to talk about the ontological understanding of the existence of God. I said, ontological? What? And he said, I know that's in a very ambiguous term. I said, ambiguous? He said, yeah, because when you think about the eschatology and the epistemology, I said, what is going on? And as he's talking in class, he says, isn't that right, students? And everybody in the class is going, yeah, that's right, that's right. And I'm sitting, I'm thinking... Am I the only one that doesn't understand a single word that this man is saying? So I'm sitting there, I'm sweating, I'm getting nervous, and then as he continues to talk, he goes into some Greek and Hebrew, I finally raised my hand and I said, Sir, for about the past 15 minutes, I didn't understand a single word that you said. And then everybody in the class went, yeah, thank you, Jason, thank you! Thank you for being real! And he said, well, I realize you don't understand anything, and I'm not going to tell you, you just need to go and read and study and figure it out. So, there's something about being real that helps us all to be on the same playing field and to put our guards, our boots down so that we can really get into the nitty-gritty place of helping others grow and change and do life together. If you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 this morning, and I'm going to actually read verses 20 through 27 of Mark chapter 9, and I think this is a story, this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, about a person just being totally transparent and being real, and or keeping it real, okay? So look at this story, Mark chapter 9, we're going to start at verse number 20, uh, you guys follow along with me. So they brought him... When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Look at this, verse 23. If you can, if Jesus could do a neck roll, he would have done it right then and there, okay? If I can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out and the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet. He stood up. You all have read that account before. You've read this story. It's one that I really appreciate, one that I've come to love because of the frankness of the conversation that's taking place here. We're talking about being real, and what I see in this account is some realness. First of all, in the beginning of chapter 9, or 
beginning of this story, we see people gathered together and they're arguing, as the Bible says up in verses 17 and following down. They're, they're arguing, they're fussing, and why are they fussing? Well, because his father had brought his son to, to Jesus' so-called powerful disciples, and they couldn't heal this boy. So there was a lot of commotion and some fussing going on, uh, and, and, and the disciples couldn't drive out this evil demon that would cause this boy to have seizures. So from this, we can conclude that people who have seizures or who have epilepsy have an evil spirit, right? Is, is that what we can conclude? That's, that's what we see, that's what we understand? If you have epilepsy or seizures, you have an evil spirit. Well, well we, we know that's not necessarily the case. It's not exactly correct. What we do know is that in Bible times, medical doctors had a really hard time trying to diagnose. You see, they didn't have the advanced tools that we have today to examine the human body. In particular, brain defects were hard to diagnose. So they were often called evil spirits. And then we get to verse 22. Jesus, if you can do this. And it was an honest question. If you can do this. And it seemed to me that Jesus was a little offended. What do you mean if I can? I created the world. What do you mean if I can? I made you. Did you not see me just take some, some loaves and some fish and feed 5,000 people? If I can, of course I can do So Jesus seemed to me be, to be a little offended. And this man was honest again. He said, Jesus, don't get me wrong. I believe there's this other side of me that causes me not to believe. And I wonder, in my opinion, if his honesty that day led to his son's healing. Because I believe when you're honest with people, and you can be transparent with people, healing can occur. Be real. In your bulletin this morning, you have an outline. So you can open up that bulletin, take out that outline. And we have a question that we uh, pose to you in that outline, and, and the question was, be real, what does that mean? I have four points for your learning this morning that I think we can really learn together from when it comes to this idea of being real, okay? So you can fill in some of these principles and, and follow along with us. What does it mean to be real? Well, number one, it means to tell the truth. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we should be some of the most truth-telling folk that you ever want to meet, right? We tell the truth. What else does it mean? Well, it means that we must learn to walk the walk. Walk the walk. Point number three is we are called to be transparent. Transparency is key. And then lastly, you're called just to be you. Just to be you. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 25 says this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for we are all members of one body. We must tell the truth. You see, our old way of life, the way we used to live, was formed around a series of lines. Things to get us ahead. You know the situation. Many of you who have been married for years and years and years, you know that when you first met your spouse, that wasn't your true self. Can I preach this morning? That wasn't your true self. You see, when I first met Mary, I thought she was so beautiful, and I just really wanted to date her. So when I learned about the things that she liked, I automatically liked it. <laughs> she said, Jason, I love the outfit. I said, you too? I, I do too. This is just crazy, right? 
My favorite color is turquoise. I, said, I just can't believe it. <laughs> turquoise? Wow. Right? And I love Greek food. I said, heroes? Yeah, you do. So we put on our fake selves, right? And then over the course of the time, we can learn to be real. I love this uh, commercial that I just recently saw. There's a guy that's going in for a job interview. And he looks on the wall, and all of the CEOs are bald-headed men. <laughs> Right? You guys have seen that commercial. He's in there with a group of guys, and all of them have long hair. And he looks at this wall. Every, all the CEOs have bald heads. So he went into the bathroom, and he shaved his head real quickly. And he went to the job interview, and it looked like he got the job. You see, we put on a series of lies in order to get us ahead. That's what we do, right? But Scripture tells us that we always have to speak the truth or to live truthfully. We don't do things to get ourselves ahead. We speak the truth. We're honest with our neighbor. But sometimes we've got to be careful because some of us might be a little too truthful. Amen? Mama tells me all the time, you don't have to say everything you think. Okay? You've got to learn to filter it out. But you get my point. If we're going to be real, we have to be truthful people. Truthful people. We don't lie. We don't put up fronts. We don't wear masks. We are who we are. You've got to be truthful. Next, we've got to learn to walk the walk. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love words or speech, but with actions and in truth. If anyone has material possessions, he must show forth his love through acting. The scripture tells me that if we're going to be real people, that means we have to get up and we have to do something. You heard the statement, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. I love going to the barbershop. I love going to the barbershop. I don't go as often anymore, okay? But I love going to the barbershop. Because in the barbershop, what we have is barbershop talk. Right? Especially with crack roll. And in barbershop talk, you know what we do? We talk about every subject under the sun, and we offer our critiques. You know, so the other day I was in the barbershop, we are talking about Kobe. Kobe scored 60 points, and one of the guys who was cutting his hair, he said, that wasn't true, that wasn't real, that was a conspiracy, right? I said, how's a conspiracy? He said, the people on the other team weren't playing defense, and all of his players were passing to him, so it was a setup, right? So they offer critiques, we just critique, critique, critique. We talk about the president, we talk about this, that, and all we do is critique all day. I know some people that are professional critiquers. They have a PhD in telling you what's wrong. And you know some too. That's all they do is critique. But the scripture says we've got to learn to do instead of critiquing. You heard that statement. Be the change that you want to see. So if you're going to be real, we have to act and not just talk. Talk, talk, talk. Barbershop talk. I like to call it. Next, transparency. Be transparent. This is a tough one. James chapter 5 and verse number 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Oh. What? Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know about you, but for me, this is a tough one. To be transparent, 
to let people see how it really is. You know, when I think about transparency, you know what comes to mind is inviting someone to your house and not doing the cleanup before they get there. And they see you just the way you are, with the dirty dishes in the sink, right? The stuff on the floor, with the clothes everywhere, transparency. That's hard for us. We don't want people to see us like that. We want people to see us in our best light, like we have no issues. But what I do know is that everyone in here has flaws. Everybody. And we do our best to keep those flaws hidden, don't we? Some of us have anger issues, but we don't want people to know that. Some of us have anxiety and worry that just bothers us all the time. We don't want people to know that. Some of us live in perpetual fear. We don't want people to see that. Some people struggle with lust and with greed and with chemical substances. We don't want anybody to know that. But you know what leads to healing is confession. That's what scripture says. But that's so hard to do. Because we don't want people to see us as we truly are. That's so, that's so wonderful about the church. And here, this is supposed to be such a close-knit family that we can find one or two trusted people, friends, that we can just share our problems, our struggles, our worries with. And they won't judge us. But what they'll do is they'll pray for us. The scripture says that is healing. That's what it means to be real. And then lastly, one that I really, really appreciate. Just be you. That's what it means to be real. And why am I saying all this? Because I think when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to outreach, there doesn't have to be this difficult strategic idea, right? It starts with this circle, and then we move to this next circle, and we, we, we ask these questions, and then we ask those questions, and evangelism becomes this really complicated thing. But it's really not. All we have to do is be real and follow some of these principles and see what God does. Lastly, be you. I love this passage. For you, created, uh, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. When I read this passage, there's multiple interpretations and understandings, but here's what I take from it. God made you unique. He didn't make anybody the same. You can be an identical twin and you're not the same person. Amen? Is that right? That's right. You're different. God made you unique. You are beautiful. You are talented. You are intelligent. And you should embrace who you are and don't try to be like other people. Be you. But oftentimes what we try to do is we try to be that other person or get to where that person is. We look at other people's lives and we say, oh, I wish I was in that place. Oh, I wish I was as tall as him or I wish I was as beautiful as her or I wish I had as much money as he had or this, that, and the other. But God made us who we are. And we should embrace it. Because if you don't, it'll lead to a life of misery. And what I love is that I know people want to see your personality. You know when I first got hired here as the, uh, the pulpit minister, um, 
One of the things that I would do is after I would preach, I would go home and watch my sermon and just critique, 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 critique myself. And what I realized is when I first got here, I really wasn't comfortable yet. So I remember when I would preach, I would walk like this. <laughs> you know, try to, trying to look uh, comfortable, so I would just walk like this. And then my dad would look to me, what is wrong with you? You look like a robot. Why are you preaching like that, right? Uh -oh. And it was just really uncomfortable. And I remember someone saying it. I think it was Dorothy. Dorothy said, Jason, we just love that over time we get, we're getting to see the real you and your personality, right? And I think that's what people want to see from us. They want to see our personality. Who are you? Let me see you in all your fullness without being photoshopped, if you will. I just want to see you. And if you do these things, you tell the truth, walk the walk, you be transparent, you be just who you are, I guarantee you that people will ask questions. How can you live like that? How can you be like that? You're so different. And then it gives us an opportunity to share the gospel message with people, all because we're just being real, we're being who we are created to be. Lastly, as we close this morning, i got a practical application for you. In the sermon outline, it says, great sermon, because I know that's what you were thinking. Now what? <laughs> great, great sermon. Now what? I've got some practical applications to leave you with uh, this morning. So what do we do with this information? I just gave you all this stuff on how to be real. Well, how do, how do we process it? What do we do this week? What do you want me to do, Jason? Here's a couple of things that I want you to practice this week. And by the way, I think all of you who, uh, you know, we sent an email out from the office and you know, we asked uh, for you to answer a question. Why are you a member of this church? And I got a bunch of responses back. And I want to thank you for everyone who participated in that exercise. If you hadn't, send your emails to the office. We'd love to still collect them so that we can hear from you. So uh, that was the exercise last week. Here's one for this week. How do we be with How do we implement this? Well, first of all, if someone is asking you how your day is, just be honest with them. That's the first thing that I want you to practice this week. Because you know what we do. Somebody asks us how our day is going, we can, it'd be a horrible day. Just terrible, right? We could stub our toe about three times, right? You know, we could be hungry and grumpy. And when someone asks us, hey, how's your day going? We're like, oh, it's wonderful. All right? That's, just, that's what we do most of the time. Oh, it's one. I can be more blessed. God is good, right? Even though we're having a horrible, very good, no, no good, very bad day, right? What I want you to do this week is someone asks you how you're doing and you're having a rough day, or if you're having a good day for that matter, just be honest and see what it does. I had this situation happen the other day. I was at Target at the checkout line and I asked the lady, How's your day going? She said, Horrible. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> Right? But it caught me off guard, and then I began to ask questions. I was like, oh, that, I'm sorry to hear that. Anything in particular that, that you know, I can pray for you about? This is after the checkout line. And then the lady just told me the, the situation, right? It, it, it's amazing. When we're honest, what happens, right? So number one, just be honest. If someone asks you how your day is going this week, hopefully all of you will have a wonderful week. And you can say wonderful and be honest with that. But if you're having a tough time, be transparent. Be honest with how your day is really going. Point number two. Here's one that's really good. If we want to walk the walk and be real, one of the things that you can do that I think is so powerful is to surprise someone you care about this week with a gift. Right? Surprise someone you care about this week with a gift. 
Because we say we love you all the time, right? I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. What is the greatest way to show people that we really love them is just by surprising them with a gift. Out of the blue, right? Buy your wife those flowers and just surprise her at work. She'll say, oh, we love me, right? <laughs> or wives, you know, bake your husband some cookies so when he opens up the door, he smells the scent in his nose. He says, my wife loves me, right? Or for your children, just surprise them. Or your coworker, your friend, just surprise them and see what it does. It's life-changing when you surprise someone by showing them how much you love them. And then lastly, <laughs> I'm struggling with this one, but I'm going to this one. Here we go. Be real. Yeah, I'm going to be real. I'm going to be real. <laughs> Here it is. Uh, this goes down. Embrace your inner weirdness. <laughs> no, just think about it. Embrace your inner weirdness. Here's what I do know. All of us have inner weirdness. Right? That we don't want people to really know about. But you know you're a Harry Potter fan. Don't, don't try to cover it up. Right? All of us have an inner weirdness. And sometimes when we embrace that inner weirdness, some wonderful things can happen. We were at uh, Disneyland not too long ago, and we're driving to go park, and I'm seeing grown men dressed up as Spider-Man and Batman and Superman. And, 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 you know, people dressed up while I saw somebody looking like uh, Gandalf from, you know, I'm like, what, what, what is going on? This is not Halloween. And what I found out is that they were going to this thing called WonderCon. Have you ever heard of WonderCon? No, maybe many of you have anyway. But it's this place where grown men and women go in there and dress up like superheroes and characters, right? And I'm thinking in my mind, this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, they really get into it. If you go, no offense. No offense. Just embrace it. Yeah, where are the ones? Right? I have a friend that attended WonderCon, and I, you know, I had all kind of... Anyway, I said, this is really weird. And that friend said they went and had a wonderful time and took one of their friends with them. These two people had a great time dressing up and doing all this stuff. And then that friend, who's a church-going person, that was able to invite that other friend to church. And eventually they were baptizing in Christ. All because they both were weird. No, stop. They went to WonderCon and embraced their weirdness. I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying, all of us have something that we do that we are kind of embarrassed about. Embrace that. And you'll be surprised, you know, what kind of conversations happen. Because people are like, wow, I can take this mask off and you have the same thing that I have. This is crazy. Right? So embrace your inner weirdness. There you go. Practical application for this week. This morning, we have a song of invitation selected. And uh, during this song, we're going to invite you to come. If there's anyone here this morning with a need, maybe you want to put Jesus Christ on a baptism, maybe you need some encouragement. Maybe you've been falling short in some area of your life and you need to repent of your sin. This opportunity is for you. Our, our, some of our elders will be up front here to take any requests that you might have. We'll also have some of our elders and elders' wives in the back. If you don't feel like you know, walking to the front, you're uncomfortable with that. We just ask that if you need to respond to message this morning, that you would come. So whatever needs and concerns that you have, we invite you to come together while we stand and sing. My name is Graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence.
depart.